I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to The Last Show on Earth. I'm John Owen Jones. And I'm Alistair Brammer. And this is the podcast where we ask our guests the big question that nobody ever needed to ask. If there was a meteor headed towards Earth and they could see one more show before they die, what would it be? It can be anything they want, a show they've seen, one they wish they'd seen, or something they've made up entirely. Today we are joined by American TV producer and writer Gary Janetti. Gary is the writer of UK sitcom Vicious, which starred Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi, and also one of the creative forces behind TV mega-hits Will and Grace and Family Guy. And he starred alongside his husband, Brad Goreski, in their very own reality TV show, It's a Brad, Brad World. Gary is also the New York Times best-selling author of Do You Mind If I Cancel? And his most recent book, Start Without Me, was released this year. His massively popular Instagram account, which parodied Prince George, was recently turned into an animated series for HBO called The Prince. And on top of all of this, he is a massive musical theatre fan. This was a truly intercontinental chat as we talked to Gary live in his beautiful home in Los Angeles whilst Alistair was shooting on location in Morocco and I was at home recording the chat in my spare bedroom in my house in Croydon. Gary is a very busy man and we only had an hour to talk to him when we recorded this but we still managed to have a wide-ranging chat and crammed in topics such as Family Guy, Sir Ian McKellen, Naked Bath Time Lamey's sing-alongs and a very rude swear word. Curious to find out more? If so, carry on listening to the last show on earth of the viciously funny Gary Janetti. I didn't know anything about being a writer for TV. Any of these things were so abstract to me. You know, it felt like a whole other world uh, that existed that I would be impossible to penetrate. So, so how did how did you penetrate TV writing then? <laughs> Sorry. It kind of <laughs> For want of a better turn of phrase. Yeah, did I start with that term? <laughs> I deserve whatever comes afterwards. <laughs> Here we ask a question nobody dared to ask. If you had a day to live, what show would be your last? What is your last show on Earth? This is the last show on Earth. My name is John. My name is Al. Been friends a long time past. We want to know what show you'd see if you knew it was to be your last. What is your last show on Earth? This is the last show on Earth. What is your last show on Earth? This is the last show on Earth. Welcome to the last show on Earth, Mr. Gary Janetti. Hooray! Hi guys, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm doing really good, thanks. It's nice to see you again, Alistair. It's been a while. It's been a long while. I mean, what's it been since last time? I mean, in person, it's been a long time, isn't it? Because of, of course, because of COVID. Where did you guys, where did you guys meet? Where did we meet? 
Well, Alistair, I did a show with Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi called Vicious uh, in the UK, and Alistair was on that show, and that's how we met. He auditioned for a part in the first season to be Ash, which ended up being Iwan Rayan uh, from Game of Thrones. So at the end of the show, there was going to be like a new Ash that replaces him. That's right, and Oliver. that was Alistair. I remember watching it. I watched oh. it when it came out on TV. I mean, when was that? Was How long ago was that now? That was quite a while ago, right? Five years? Eight years, maybe? Oh, yeah, of course it is. Because you, you first saw me in, it was Taboo, wasn't it? That's when it, it, it was in the works, when I was doing Taboo. That is eight years. It Correct, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, miraculously, Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi are still alive. That's uh, that's good news. <laughs> They're still with us. Yeah. Yes, Yay. fantastically. <laughs> Thankfully, yeah, after the last few years, yeah. You know, Ian McKellen, I think, is one of the greatest, if not the greatest living actor at the moment. What was it like writing for someone like him and working with him? Do you know, it was terrific. It actually was, I always believe in, no matter what you do, work with people who are better than you. <laughs> no matter what you do, try to elevate. You know, when I, I was... A salesman when I was, you know, in working in the service industry in my 20s. And I was like, I'm going to work, if I'm going to work in a a store, I'm going to work in Saks Fifth Avenue. I might as well work in the best one in the world if I'm going to do this. So I kind of kept that mentality throughout my career. You know, it was a tremendous experience to to work for them. Ian said something. Go on. No, you go on. No, please, you. What did Ian say, for God's sake? Ian said something early on when we were doing the first episode of the show. And, you know, I was going through my own thing. I was in the UK by myself and I was writing all the episodes alone. In the States, we have a a staff, but because of the amount of episodes you do in the UK, it was just me. So it was a lot of pressure and it was a lot of work. And I remember thinking to myself, and I was very nervous and anxious about it, you know, and at the same time, in the first week that we were doing the show there, Ian had a lot of questions about the material and what it was. And I was wondering, you know, I got to a point where I was like, I just asked him, why are you doing this? Like, why did you decide to do this show? And he said, because it scares me. Oh, that's nice. Wow. And I was like, oh, he, oh my God, here I was thinking, you know, I was internalizing it about myself. And I was thinking, why aren't I already at a place in my 40s where I'm not scared anymore? And here he was in his 70s saying the only reason he took this job was because he hadn't done it before and it scared him. And it was like a moment I never forgot. And, you know, this happened about eight years ago, but I needed to hear it. And at that time, and I don't even know if I've ever even told him this, but I was like, oh, yeah, if it stops being scary, something's wrong. That means I've become complacent with what it is I'm doing. And of course in his 70s he was in the perfect position to say i'm going to sit back and let the accolades roll in and just kind of from on high tell people about the art of acting and take these little cameos no 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 no. he wanted to be in the moment today doing something he had never done before he was very present and was scared to do that and i take that with me i'm like i want to be 80 and still be scared of what i'm doing totally i was in that room with those people for like two days and it's one of those places, isn't it, where you like you think that you've got stories and then you go into a room with those guys and it's like you just shut up because you have nothing to say that's going to be even remotely interesting compared to their fascinating, fascinating stories. No, they give you stories. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't Ian McKellen call Derek Jacobi Judy Dench? Is that his, his little pet nickname is because... He reckons that um, Derek looks like Dame Judy. So that's why he... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'd not heard that. 
Have you not heard that? Mm-mm. Well, I'll double check that before we put that out live. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. So let's get into your, your writing then. I've read your books um, over the weekend. Oh, gee. Uh, not in the correct order. That's all right. I mean, I've got to say, I loved them. I loved them. I, was, I didn't know what to expect, but I was surprised that they were essays and they were like, it's like an autobiography, but it's not. It's far more enjoyable than an autobiography. You know, there's all these kind of interesting little insights into your life and your mentality and your psyche. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but writing has been something that's always been in you. Yeah, it's something that's always been there. I just didn't quite know how it would kind of, I guess, manifest itself, you know, later in my life. I didn't know anything about being a writer for TV. Any of these things were so abstract to me. You know, it felt like a whole other world uh, that existed that I would be impossible to penetrate. So it wasn't even something. So how did how did you penetrate? TV writing then. Sorry. It kind of <laughs> For want of a better turn of phrase. Yeah. Did I start with that term? I deserve whatever comes afterwards. Uh, the books are short, which is why yeah. you were able to read two in a weekend. They're, take, they take a long time to write, but uh, yeah. what I've learned is not a long time to read, which um, is like, yeah, I like that. I guess, you know, so writing for TV for so many years, I've learned to think economically. You yeah. know, you can't, you don't have the luxury of going on too long. Um, but there's a point in the first book, do you mind if I cancel where I'm working as a bellman at a hotel? And yeah, the, so the Paramount, know, the, yeah. The Paramount Hotel, right, in yeah. Times Square, which was, um, at the time, it was the first really boutique hotel. Um, uh-huh. It was the 90s, so that was just coming into vogue. And... I was, in the book, I I talk about basically, you know, people working as an overnight bellman on on the shift and these women I help to the taxi and they don't tip me and I just kind of snap and I slam on the back of the cab door and I, you know, I tell them, you know, basically like, where's my tip? And they look at me shocked and one of them hands me a $20 bill and then the cab pulls away. And I felt so ashamed and I, in that moment, I just was like, you have to make a change. You have to change your life. Like, mm. this, is, this isn't working for you. Yeah. I've been pretending I was a writer. I've been acting as if I was a writer, but I wasn't writing. I didn't know what anything mm. meant. I was busy being, you know, in my 20s. And I think sometimes, you know, for a gay person, at least for me, when you come out and you're like 22, you're also kind of catching up on the things you didn't do before, which is actually, yeah. you know, basically something as simple as dating and having a social life, you yeah. know. And these things were taking up time, and I kind of had these romantic ideas of what it meant to be a writer and what it was. But deep down, I wasn't actually writing. Nobody saw me as a writer. I didn't know what any of it meant. I was getting older. I was 28 at that point, which obviously isn't old, but it's certainly getting older if you've not done and if you if you're completely lost but in that moment i was like you're waiting for somebody to come up to you and say hey do you want this job as a writer Mm -hmm. as opposed to you going out and figuring it out myself and from that moment i moved to la i um learned how to write sitcoms i just went to the writer's good library you couldn't go online you couldn't google anything it was just before that so you really had to 
you know, figure it out. And I, and I figured it out. And within a year, I was writing on TV. I had my first job wow. on TV. And it was because... That's so quick. It was. You know, it seems quick. It, it's also because... But all of the shit that I went through before it kind of was in many ways, you know, pushing me and informing me and teaching me certain things, you know. So you were sort of preparing for it since you were like 20 or something. Maybe even younger, you know. I think I was I was preparing for it from very very young by watching all the television I watched. You know, it was yeah. my um, it was my training. You know, it was I don't know if you're familiar with Malcolm Gladwell's Ten Thousand Hours. The the idea that you need ten thousand hours to become very um, proficient or to really excel at something. Yeah. And when I started reading these scripts at the time, I was it was Friends and Frasier and Roseanne. These yeah, were the yeah. scripts in the Writers Guild Library. Seinfeld, these were the shows that were on the air. I was like, I can do this. Yeah. You know, I had never seen them in script form before. But as soon as I read the scripts and I saw how they were structured and I had this appreciation for how well-crafted they were, my first thought was, I can do this. Having known you for a few years, I would imagine if I didn't know what you did, I think I could guess because you're... You're highly creative, but you're also highly logical. And I and I imagine that I imagine that sitcom writing, you sort of need to understand the beat and exactly when things have to come in and why. Yeah, I've never, I mean, I've never been called logical in that way. <laughs> I've never thought of myself. I always think of that as a mathematical mind. Yeah. But you're right. It's like a puzzle. There is a bit of them that, that are like a puzzle, and you have to kind of, you know, yeah, there is also, especially with comedy, um, at least how I write it and what I respond to, there's a musicality to it. There's a rhythm mm. to comedy, which is why you use certain words versus other words, yeah. the amount of syllables, the way the word hits your ear, you know, the way you use punctuation, all of these things. How precious are you about... So let's take, like, Vicious, and you've obviously written for many other shows... How precious are you about the words you write? Will you let an actor change things? If they're going to change it for, and it's better, 100%. Yeah. It's usually not better. They're usually not making <laughs> it better. But yeah. if, they, if they are, 100%. Ian changed. And especially on that show, there are certain um, words and expressions that are Britishisms, not Americanisms. And I'm happy to, you know, I wanted to learn. Yeah. So, Have you had any clashes with any kind of clash of personalities with somebody has suggested something which is so bad and they're like a big star <laughs> and you have to say, mm, that's, yeah. Yeah, yes. Ian. <laughs> Ian, <laughs> you know, had had uh, moments where, you know, but it's it, it's not that it's so bad. It's, it's more that it's so not what I want to say. Yeah. And also sometimes an actor isn't aware, but I'm more aware. So I have to, you can never just placate an actor because at the end of the day, that might solve the problem in the moment, yeah. but you're going to have to live forever with the end result. Yeah. And of course you'd spent an age crafting this stuff. You'd spent much more time with this piece of writing than somebody like Ian had and so therefore you knew it inside out right yeah yeah and, and and it's incumbent on me to kind of communicate that and explain that so I mean I love actors I love working with actors I'm drawn to actors as I love I, I'm very happy to kind of talk to them I don't believe in shutting people down but I'm never shy about saying I don't like that or that or that's just not yeah I, I don't feel like that beats what's here so there we go I feel like that's shit 
I feel like that's a bit shit. <laughs> yeah, you just have to find a way to say that yeah. nicely. In my head, I might be yeah. thinking that. <laughs> I, I was quite shocked, knowing quite a lot of Americans, that in that book, you dropped the C-bomb a couple of times. I do, <laughs> a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, and that was really surprising to me, because all the Americans I know find that enormously offensive. But uh, in mm. British theatre, it's a very common word that people use backstage. Yeah, well, you use the word differently, a little bit differently than we yeah. use it. I use it more like you use it. You know, I, I feel similarly, as do other Americans. It's not all, you know, so... Do you um, remember, Gary, when you brought Ian to see Miss Saigon in, in London and you came back to my dressing room afterwards? Yes, of course. Do you remember what happened? Because I do. I, I wonder if it's as important to you as it was to me. I remember he said something lovely to you, but I don't remember anything specific. What happened? So I'll tell you what happened, because it's one of my one of my stories that I tell that's devastating and embarrassing, which was <laughs> he was saying to me that he thinks I should take longer bowing. And and he was saying that, you know, you should you should allow the audience to give you a clap. Oh, right. You know, it's okay. your moment. They they want to. And I sometimes around celebrities, I get nervous. And what I do is I try and act by like I'm not nervous by sort of being too casual yeah right and sort of really relaxing and almost like offending them and, I think I know what's coming here uh, we're, we're gonna have to beat this out but he said I just think you should take longer I said yeah I'm not sure he said no you should you should take your moment I said yeah but there's a fine line isn't there between taking your moment and looking like a <laughs> just for no reason oh. it just came out I don't remember that but he would have thought nothing of that no. he would have liked that yeah he would have thought that that was funny and charming and, and like, no, no, I would not. Yeah, but that's funny. I mean, I could see why you'd be like, oh, my God, uh, what am I saying? This this word would come out of my mouth. Yeah, I was like devastated. Gandalf's in my dressing room and I'm just calling him. A... <laughs> that's brilliant. So before we keep going on, we thought it'd be quite a nice thing to actually do a potted quiz Okay. Uh, discussing your career and life so far, okay. um, which we call Al's 10 Questions. So he's going to ask you 10 quickfire questions, okay. and then you're hopefully going to know the answers to all 10 of them. Okay. And that's a very quick way for our listeners to hear more about you without having to talk for an hour. <laughs> Are you ready then, Gary, for Al's 10 Questions? I'm ready. Here we go. Okay. Dum, dum, dum. You were an exec producer on Will & Grace. In what year did that show first air? Ah, uh, 19... 98? Correct. Correct. Oh. Megan Megan Mullally from that show was cast recently in what musical in London before pulling out to be replaced by Sutton Foster? Well, I'm going to say I didn't know this, but I know Anything Goes was just there with Sutton Foster. Correct. And she was meant to do it. Okay. Question three. You first saw me in the musical Taboo when I played a character who fell in love with which pop star? Boy George. Correct. In The Prince, what was the name of the dessert loved by the Queen? Oh, well, the Flummery Tart. (laughs) I love that name, Flummery Tart. (laughs) Iwan Rion, who you've worked with on some of your projects, won an Olivier Award for his performance in which musical? Spring Awakening. Correct. A Chorus Line is one of your favourite shows, as we know from your book. Yes. Step, Kick, Kick, Leap, Kick, Touch, Again, are the opening lyrics of which song from that show? I hope I get it. Very good. Your book, Do You Mind If I Cancel, became a New York Times bestseller. True or false? True. High five! (laughs) In your beautiful flash mob of One Day More on It's a Brad Brad World, who played the role of Madame Thenardier? Brad's mother. 
Correct, correct. You're a producer on Family Guy. Who's the best character? Stewie. Incorrect, it's Herbert the Pervert. Hello. <laughs> Brad Bucks. Not according to me. <laughs> Brad, Brad Bucks kept me hugely entertained during lockdown on Instagram. But how many pumps do you have in your iced grande almond milk cafe mocha with no whip? Two. Well, of course I know this. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. 10 out of 10. Well I would be... 10 out of 10. <laughs> Does anybody not get them? <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. When the pressure's on, people... Uh, 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 people do get... Uh, they get a bit flummery, don't they? They get a bit flummery, yes, yeah. They do. They get flummery. I love that, yeah. Flummery tart. It's great. Uh, do you know what? I, th- I think that's the name of one of my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> it's a good drag name, too. <laughs> Talking of Stewie, he's your favourite character, right? I would say so, yes. Yeah? That, uh, we're talking about Family Guy for people for the uninitiated. Mm-hmm. The episode you wrote um, with Ian McKellen starring in it, uh, where Stewie goes to the psychiatrist, is a work of genius, I must say. <laughs> Thanks, John. Was that something that you pitched to them, or they came to you and said, you write Stewie so well, can you do this episode we've got an idea for? Uh, actually, it was... <sighs> More, I mean, the way that episode came about, you have to remember, too, I've been working on the show for over, on and off. I I come, I go, I come, I go, I consult. um, So I'm still uh, a part of it. Um, So it had been, you know, over 20 years. Yeah. So they they came to me and said, uh, would you write another, would you want to write an episode and whatever you want? So it was kind of, I was given free reign in that case to do, like, whatever I wanted to do. And I thought having just worked with Ian too, I, I liked the idea of doing a kind of a bottle episode is what we call it when it's two characters kind of just in a room. I did yeah. it in a previous episode a few years previously when Brian and Stewie get locked in a bank vault. So oh, yeah. this time oh, yes. it was like, what, what's another way to kind of do that? And so that was the, you know, starting point for, I, I was like, maybe Stewie goes to a guidance counselor and we just let him talk and talk to Ian as his as his guidance counselor. I love his ten minute ramble with that fantasy. It's actually seven minutes long, and considering the show's only twenty minutes, yeah. yeah and I wrote it, and I never even intended for it to keep going on. He thinks, "Oh, the therapist. You think you know me from spending a few minutes with me." Well, then he just picks up this photo of his therapist with his boyfriend in Rio de Janeiro on a vacation, and he picks apart his entire life based on all the details that he sees in the photo. And gets so specific, so specific. He gets so specific, and it goes on, and he really decimates him. Yeah. And I I think it went on for like 10 pages or something, but I was writing it, and I was just having fun with it, and I was like, there's no way this is going to stay the length that it is, but I'm just going to let it go to its natural conclusion and see what happens with it. And I never thought it would be something that would stay in to that extent, but it did. None of it was caught. (laughs) It went on. It's incredible. No, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I would like to see you write Sherlock Holmes. That's, it kind of reminded me of Sherlock Holmes. Was, you know? yeah. That was it. You you did. It was very that. That's my version of, yeah. of Sherlock Holmes. You know, yeah. bitchy, like picking apart when he deduces. Yes, dedu- you know, just yeah, picks apart his life. Family Guy, of course, is an institution. It's loved around the world, and one of the great things about it is the show's musicality mm, and how definitely. it can dip in and out of different genres. And musicals are a big part of it. And of course, um, I've forgotten his name, Seth. Seth MacFarlane. 
yeah, Seth. I wanted to call him Seth Rosetsky, but that's <laughs> someone else. That's someone so, different. Someone else. <laughs> um, yeah, um, Seth, well into musicals, and has even performed a solo show at the Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. And that um, is that something that's very important to writers on the show, the musicality, because you're a big musical theatre fan. Is that something yes. you've had a part of? You've had a hand in? You know, actually, even I'm trying to think on the show, I don't really think I have. I appreciate when the show does it. You know, I don't consider I, my strength is not, you know, crafting those songs. Yeah. They also take, you know, they're really big undertakings too, uh, when, to do them. So when they, you know, so there's this feeling of, you know, wanting to do them correctly when they're done. So they have a nice yeah. kind of payoff. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I, I really thought that because of your love of musicals, which is really apparent in your books, by the way, you talk about musicals with such affection and joy. Yeah. And anger at some points. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which we'll get to. Rightfully so. Yeah, it'll, I think it's going to be really interesting. So why don't you tell us, what is your last show on earth? My last show on earth would be Evita. Starring Patti Lapone, obviously Patti. I know, I know she was not your Evita, but she is the Evita. <laughs> Patti and, and Mandy Patinkin and the original Broadway cast. And, um, you know, I, I talk about it in my first book, Do You Mind If I Cancel? There's a chapter titled Patti Lapone. Yeah. When I was 13, <laughs> yeah. I was obsessed with Evita. And because of the commercial, you know, at the time, I, I grew up in Queens, so Queens is a borough of one of a part of New York City. And in the tri-state area, um, they would show commercials for Broadway musicals all the time. It was a big way to generate, you know, uh, audiences on Broadway. So we grew up like, and they would show them over and over and over again. So, and the, you would see clips from the show. So I saw these clips from Evita. Yeah. And I was obsessed with it because I didn't know who Ava Perone was, obviously, before that time. You know, I was 12, I think, when it, when it started. But I went to go see it. I finally got to see it, and I had the Broadway original cast recording that I knew by heart. And my sister and I went. There's a booth. Now you have a version of it, I know, in the UK. But it, we we started it, yeah. a half-price ticket booth <laughs> yeah. that was in um, Times Square. Yeah, yeah TKTS, yeah. that we went to Wednesday matinee. And we got tickets to see Evita, and I was—I had never been—I was excited for like, oh, for forever to see it. No, I think even in that case with Evita, we couldn't. On the rare cases, we had to pay uh, the full price, you know, to get the ticket. It wasn't even a half-price ticket to get Evita because oh, okay. it was such a big hit. And when I went into the theater to open my program, a little slip came out, and it oh. was that Nancy Opal was going to be playing the part of Ava Brown, and not Patti Lapone who did not perform at matinees, yeah. which I did not know because, you know, I was 12 and mm-hmm. I was devastated. I, oh, I yeah, was I like, I, I, it was like, I saw it like two minutes before the show was going to start. And I was like, this isn't happening. I, I, it was like an out of body experience. It was like, <laughs> I, I hated Nancy. I was like, I hate you so much. This person who wasn't <laughs> Patty. For not being Patty. Yeah. So I was devastated that it was not Patty. And then this imposter was was here who I was like inordinately just despised because I was like, how dare you? You know, this. And the show started. My sister was didn't care. She was like, she's fabulous. But I, it didn't sound like Patty. It didn't sound like yeah. what the Broadway cast recording in my head. And I couldn't let it go. That yeah. you've been listening to religiously. Yeah, I, I was just, you know, Mandy Patinkin was great, everything. But I could never, I was just like, you know, of course, I didn't even occur to me that I could see the show again with Patty. We didn't have the kind of 
money where it was, you know, I'd go to, I, I didn't even have in my brain. A few years later, I started seeing things over and over again, but it wasn't something that I even thought go back at night. Also at night, you know, I'd have to go with the parent. It was a whole other thing, yeah. but I was just devastated that I didn't see her. So yes. So you would go back in time to see Patti LuPone play Eva. Would you mm -hmm. want to be your age or would you want to be 13 again? No, I wouldn't want to be my age. I, I would want to be whatever age I am now. I, I would want to see it. I would want to see yeah. what I rightfully should have seen when I was 12 <laughs> years old. If, especially if it's the last night, if it's the last thing that I'm going to see, what, what a beautiful loop on my life. You know, it seemed fitting. Totally, right that wrong. Correct. You want to go back and then I could die. She was utterly, utterly phenomenal. That woman is an absolute force of nature. I totally understand yeah. your disappointment. Oh, of course, we could have a whole discussion about understudies and their worth and everything, because both Al and I have been understudies. But I totally understand that it's like going to Disneyland and Space Mountain's closed. Or Mickey, Mickey Mouse is sick. Yeah. yeah. Also, yeah. I'm a kid, you know, it's like yeah. I'm a child. As an adult, I think, I, although no, as an adult, I would, if Patty was out of the show, I would go. <laughs> <laughs> I would just not go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And going back to your book again, in your book, you talk about the fact of how disappointed you were. And then years later, you had the opportunity to meet her. So why don't you tell us yes, about that? I, yes, I actually know Patty. We, we have um, one of my closest friends is one of her closest friends by complete happenstance okay. later in life. I did. So Patty and I, um, I adore Patty and I've seen her in everything she's done since uh, since yes correct uh, yeah you never you know and, and did I you see her. that video of her that was online recently when she was when there was the, the yeah. woman without the mask on that was so cool that was so yes. cool yeah yeah she doesn't care does she she really doesn't no, she care doesn't i mean She's... i've i've been very lucky to work with her a couple of times because i've done les mis i've done you know the finales of certain anniversaries and she's been involved so and i, I was even lucky enough to get a picture taken with her whereas we were both rather a bit worse for wear. <laughs> the best time to take. And a I thought she was great, and she and I, it was so wonderful watching somebody as massively important to musical theatre as Sir Cameron Mackintosh fawn over Patti Lupone, you know, and and be almost nervous and like a little kid around her because he's so incredibly powerful and masterful. When he walks into a room full of actors, all the heads turn. Patti couldn't care less. 
And that's I I loved watching that dynamic and watching someone like him totally change character around her. It was fascinating. It, it was like that with with um, Shirley Bassey as well when we when we did the Royal Variety performance. Yeah, he he was he suddenly was like, "We can get you a ticket. When do you want to come and see the show? When do you want to?" He just was just so like like yeah. nervous. It was very funny. Yeah. I, well, there aren't that many performers that are as unique as Patty. And it's, mm. you know, it's from a generation even almost before Patty, you know, Ethel Merman's and Mary Martin's, you know, you have this, Patty is one of very few. And when, you know, and when you still, when you get to see her, it's, she connects us to previous generations. And today she's very yeah. present and, and about the moment, but she is a part of a legacy that I don't know, there's not anybody quite as special as she is. I agree. That's true. I agree. And Mandy Patinkin is almost like the male version of Patti LuPone, I think. Mm. Would you agree? No. No? Okay. <laughs> but that's another conversation we'll have then. But I was going to say, I, I saw her in... I love him. I, I love Mandy. But no, I wouldn't agree. Okay. No, that's... No, fair enough. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I just would have going to say in that kind of way that, you know, there's nobody else like them. Correct. That's kind of Correct. what I meant. He is unique. Would he still be your Peron? Yes, he would. No, he wasn't Perron, yeah. he was Che. Sorry, that's what I mean. Yeah, it was Che. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. It was Bob yeah. Gunton was Perron. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I was going to say, Patty, when I saw her in Company in oh, London, she was amazing. Have you, that's on Broadway now, isn't it, I think? Correct. Yeah, have you seen that? Yes. I have. I saw it on Broadway and I saw it in the UK. Yeah, and the fact that she just sat on a stool and delivered that song and didn't move, and it was by far the most thrilling and entertaining thing in the show, which was full of thrilling and entertaining things just speaks volumes about her performance. Yeah, it also speaks, you know, it's what I, like anybody listening, you have an opportunity to go see Patty. Get on an airplane, by the way. If you don't, it's a big deal. Get get on an airplane and go. It's she's also yeah. a generous performer. If you if you see some performers, you know, aren't a part of, you know, the company, they really take their moment and it almost yeah. feels like they're on a different show or they're, you know, they're kind of pulling focus or you know, mm-hmm. not really being a generous performer. And you have with Patty also, it, it, that's such an, that's the ultimate ensemble musical. And you see such a generous performer there. She yeah. is part of an ensemble. And she, she was doing all the little and, dance and moves, she, the little hand jive things that they do. Yeah. She did it all, didn't she? Yeah. yeah she's, yeah. and she, she is part of the ensemble. And then when she takes her moment, you know, she takes her moment, but she plays as part of the ensemble very yeah. generously. Mm-hmm. So you'd have Patty Lupone as mm-hmm. Eva Peron, which rhymes, which is very handy. And you'd have Mandy Patinkin as Shay. As Shay Patinkin. Yeah, the a whole original cast. The whole original cast, the cast Correct. that you never saw. Well, I saw the cast except for Patty, but I want it to sound yeah. like it sounded on the I, album. You, you understand? Yeah. So before I yeah, die, yeah, yeah, I need to hear it sound like it sounded when I ne- that I never got to hear it sound. So the only way to replicate that is with the every single, every chorus person, every single person the same great i wouldn't change it just a, just just a different well, I, think, I mean it sounds amazing great mm. well i think we've come nicely onto our next segment which funnily enough is called mandy sings and oh right <laughs> in this segment john owen jones yes. will sing a musical theater classic in the style okay. of mandy patinkin and you okay. uh, in a slightly well no in a in an extremely accurate <laughs> in an extremely accurate impression of Mandy Patinkin. Can you guess the song? Okay, I'll try. Are you ready? Okay, right. (laughs) (laughs) This is Mandy Sings. It's Mandy, it's Mandy, 
gotta try and guess at the song that he sings. It's Mandy, it's Mandy. You gotta try and get it. I really hope you get it. It's Mandy. Sings. It's time to trust my instincts, close my eyes, and leap. It's Phantom of the Opera. Not yet, wait there, let me get to the end. Try defying gravity. I think I'll try defying gravity. And you can pull me down. Okay. There we are. All right, well, now I know it's defying gravity because you kept saying defying gravity. (laughs) I had to give you that big clue. It was easy. (laughs) Thank you, you saved me. Yes. (laughs) That's hilarious. Do you do that every episode? Every episode, John, is there a different? Well, we kind of mix mix things up. So we do something in when we talk to people from the UK. We do something called the club singer, okay, which is very similar. Um, but um, we've decided that it, uh, it might be better to do Mandy Patinkin, <laughs> and also um, Al can do a Josh Groban impression. Oh, let's hear that. I think I'll try to find gravity. <laughs> yeah. That's my choice. So we're going to mix it up every time. Yeah. Right. I love yeah. that. It's Mandy, it's Mandy. Oh. You gotta try and guess at the song that he sings. It's Mandy, it's Mandy. You gotta try and get it. I really hope you get it. It's Mandy. Sings. Let's move on swiftly to your interval drink. What would be your choice of drink in the interval? So it's, it's the last show on earth, last time. It's my last drink ever? Yeah. I guess I'd have champagne. I mean, I'm not a big... Yeah, I guess I'd have a glass of champagne. That seems like a nice thing to toast, you know, the end with. Any particular type? Any, do you have any particular time you had a glass of champagne and it was the perfect moment, like at your wedding or something like you that? You know, any particular kind? I would just, it would just be very expensive. But I guess, I don't know yeah. what this bar at the end of the last show on earth bar has. Do Whatever they have, you want. You what's, your, what's your favorite bar? It could be your favorite bar in the world. Oh, it could be my favorite bar in the world. Well, let's go back. Let's go back a little bit. Let's say, what venue would you watch your oh, last show at? Oh, okay. Where would it be? Well, Let's see if it would have to, the venue would still have to, like everything has to be the same. So the bar would be the bar at the okay. theater. Now I have to remember what theater Vita was at. So I didn't, so now this is just going on memory. It's either, I think it was Vita at the Broadhurst Theater or the Broadway Theater. There are two different theaters. I think it was, I, I did Les Mis at the Broadhurst. And I, I don't remember that being one of the posters on the wall. So I think it probably was the Broadway. And I did Miss Saigon at the Broadway. And I, I don't think it was one of the posters there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's one of those. Let me do a quick Google. I'll do a quick Google. John will find out. Are you, are you Googling it? It's the, uh, it says here, no, wait, hang on. It's, I found it. It's the Broadway. Told you. Oh. Yeah, the original Broadway production of Evita opened at the Broadway Theatre September the twith, uh, 25th, 1979. September the 25th? <laughs> 25th. And it played 1,567 performances, closing on June the 26th, 1983. Yeah. Yep. I was okay. So, we've, so I've, shared, I've, I've trod the same boards as Patty. I feel very honoured. I guess so. Is that where the Miss Saigon revival was at the Broadway Theatre? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Fabulous. Well, yeah. Very good. So you're going to have a nice glass of Cristal in the interval. A nice glass of Cristal. At, yes, I would stay in the lobby of the theatre because it would be the last time I've ever been, I'd be in a theatre. So I would stay in the lobby. 
Yeah. And it's nice to be in that place with all the people talking about it. And Yeah, I want to be with the people like talking. You know, I like when people are talking about a show. You know you're in a good show. I assume you both know this. When during the, well, you're not usually in the interval in your own shows, but you are and other people's. When people are talking about the show in the interval, you know you're in a good show. When they're talking yeah. about where they're going to go for dinner after, you know yeah. you're not in a good show. Yeah. That's, that's my yeah, feeling. Yeah, yeah. Which leads us very nicely on to the next bit. Where would you go for dinner afterwards? Oh, easy. Joe Allen. Oh, uh, really? Uh, what, would, what would be your meal of choice then? A hamburger, a cheeseburger, french fries. Yeah. Uh, Is that where you took uh, me when you came to see me in New York? It is 100% yes. where I took you. It's where I go after every show. Joe Allen. Me, it was me, you, Brad and Rachel. And it was a lovely yes. evening. Yeah, yeah. We had a, see? We had a lovely evening. And, and Joe Allen, 100%. Would Brad be your plus one? 100%. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Even if it was back in time and you hadn't met him yet. Well, it's not going to be back in time, right? Because I, I want I don't want to. I mean, the the production is from back in time, yeah. but I'm but it's I now. need time. I don't yeah, need to yeah, be yeah. younger okay. for a night. I'm fine. I don't want to be twelve. We've just we've just come on to Brad, and I want to talk about. There's a lovely. There's a there's this beautiful flash mob um, from it's a Brad Brad world, but it was your tenth anniversary, right? And you yes, did correct. a flash mob <laughs> of um, one day more from Les Misérables, and right. Would you like to tell the lovely story about the first time you met Brad and what uh, you did? Well, Brad is, uh, for those listening who don't know, is a, um, a TV personality. He started on a network called Bravo, which airs all the Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. He's a celebrity stylist. He worked on a show called The Rachel Zoe Project, then got a spinoff because he was a breakout character, which went into his life and career, which I then became a part of that was on called It's a Brad Brad World. During that time, it was our 10-year anniversary, and we were having a party, and I wanted to do something special for him. So I kind of thought of the idea of doing a flash mob, uh, the number one day more from Les Mis, because the first night that Brad and I met in Greece, we met on vacation. I, through happenstance, he walked by a table. I was at sitting at a, at a restaurant, and I started talking to him, basically, and we haven't been apart since. Um, <laughs> he, we spent the whole night, we stayed up the whole night, we were talking, and kind of, and he did an impression of Patti Lapone singing I Dreamed a Dream from Les Mis, and it was pretty good, too. <laughs> and we kind of bonded over our love of musical theater, that show in particular. And that was the genesis for our 10th anniversary to kind of deliver this number. But it ended up being a trickier thing to potentially pull off, you know, and Megan Mullally uh, plays Eponine in it. I asked Megan yeah. uh, if she would participate and uh, everybody was our friends and family. And we kind of had to put it together without Brad knowing and, and rehearse it and stuff. And it I was, was so yeah. beautiful. John and I were saying it really choked us. It really choked me up. I was so scared. Why? Why were you scared? Oh, first of all, I'd never sang before in, ah, in right. you know, before. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was a little like, and I'd never done a musical number before. And it was trickier than I thought. The amount of time we had mm-hmm. to rehearse wasn't that much time. Yeah. On top of that, we had like we were like triple mic'd. I was mic'd for the reality show. I was mic'd for something else, and then I was mic'd for the the musical number. Yeah. And we were filming it live, John. So in other words, oh, wow. there was no there was no whatever. If there was any mistake, it would have been yeah. in the show. There was no if anybody screwed up, if I screwed up, and 
It had to, we choreographed it. If the sound didn't work properly, we were having sound problems because the sound uh. was tricky. There was people on our roof that Brad did. You know, so there were a lot of things to get the real reactions. We only had yeah. one one shot. Uh -huh. So there was, the, it felt like this enormous pressure to, to get it right. I was so, <laughs> it was the most stressful day of my entire life. And once we pulled it off, I, it kind of, it was kind of magical. I have to say up until that point in the party, you know, there were people, because it was our 10 year anniversary, both our families flew in. There were all of our friends from different parts of our lives. And you have to remember we're filming a reality show. So there's a camera crew there. So there's a sense of something feeling a little, um, yeah. You know, it's fun, but it feels a little typical, I guess, and nervous making, like some weird, but nobody knew what was coming. The entire, the only people that knew were the people participating and the people who worked on the show. But I have to say, once that went off without a hitch, the energy of, I've never seen energy change so much. Everybody was like brought together. Aww. It was remarkable. It was all anybody was talking about. Everybody was talking to everybody. It was this joyous it was joyful. It was this joyous energy that took over the rest of the evening. His reaction. Yeah, his reaction was wonderful. His reaction yeah. was so yeah. beautiful. He was just shaking. The way his with... feet bounced up and down on the floor and it was pure childish joy. Yeah, it was a really special yeah. thing. I know people still come up to us and they, and they you know, talk about that moment. And I'm so happy because I was like, I, I, after that went off, I was like, if, if I could accomplish that, I could accomplish anything, you know, <laughs> like that. If we could pull that off. And it's also nice, you know, it, it was a thing you also learn that, you know, you talk about in life, you learn these moments. And for me, sometimes it's hard to ask people for anything. I, I'm not somebody who's good at asking somebody for help or assistance. And in order to pull that off, I needed to ask a lot of people yeah. to kind of help me to kind of do this and, and to generously do that. And everybody was like, came with such an open heart. And so that was able to yeah. kind of create that. So it was like another whole other thing on another level that was also happening for me that I learned that if you ask for, for something, the people in, in your life, if, if you're not afraid to kind of do that and you trust that, what comes back mm -hmm. is, is, can be so powerful. Yeah. Well, I think it was a great idea. Beautifully done. Thanks. It's one of those things. Flash mobs happen all the time, don't they? Or they used to happen all the time. It was, they had but a moment. One, that was a moment. <laughs> yeah. But this one was kind of special because it was born out of a place of love and joy and celebration. And not all of them are. And that's why I, I was very moved. And I know Alistair was as well. Yeah. And oh, uh, we'll put I'm a link. Glad. We'll put a link to that um, some somewhere in this podcast, won't we? And we'll uh, people will be able to see that. Because it is so special. The story of you guys meeting in Greece and, and singing Les Mis together re reminds me of the most homoerotic experience I've ever had in my life, right? Which is God. My, my friend, I don't know why I'm telling this, it just came into my head. Um, my friend and I were on tour, our first job, it was Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? And uh, me, him and his girlfriend and our other friend were going to go on a vacation. We had some time off the show, so we were going to go on a vacation. So we stayed at this hotel near the airport and... Anthony and I got in the bath together, right, with our, our bottoms next to each, to each other, with our legs over the side, okay? So we sort of sat side by side in the bathtub, and we filled it up, and we sat and drank beers in the bath and sang the entirety of, of, of the Les Miserables soundtrack, because we both loved the show so much. And <laughs> Were you completely to... naked? Were you completely naked? 
Yeah, we were we were, were literally. Yeah, we were in the bath, and his girlfriend was in the next room. You were nineteen yeah. in a bath. And a... What his girlfriend was in the next room. <laughs> yeah, she was in the having a cigarette. Wow. I love that yours was gayer than mine. (laughs) (laughs) We had our clothes on. (laughs) No, we were naked. And then we had the, and then we, but the the, the happy ending to the story, for want of a better phrase, (laughs) is is that we, we, we both auditioned for and got cast in Les Miserables straight after that. That's hilarious. So there we are. I, I was I was Marius and he was my understudy. I love that. So there we go. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. Happy ending indeed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're approaching the end. I mean, I'm sorry that, to say that because I'm really enjoying this and I would like to talk to you for a lot longer. So why don't we do a little recap, Al? Do a recap of, of Gary's last show on Earth and what you'd like to see. Yes, do? absolutely. So... I'm supposed to have written this down throughout and I was having so much fun that I haven't written down a thing. So I'm going to, this is a memory <laughs> test for me. Okay. Okay. So right. you would like to see Evita at the Broadway theater starring Patti Lapone as Eva, mm-hmm. Mandy Patinkin as Shay, mm-hmm. and I- indeed all of the original cast. Correct. You would like to have an interval drink of a lovely glass, screw it, a lovely bottle of Cristal. Sure. And you would love to go to Joe Allen's and have a hamburger afterwards and enjoy it all with your plus one. Brad Goreski. Yes, and I would definitely, and I would also have banana cream pie for dessert. Oh, <laughs> very nice. Perfect. Yes, that sounds always. like a lovely, lovely night. Thank you. Yeah, so look, I, there's one other thing I wanted to talk about uh, just before we go is that in your book, you have written one of my favorite ever quotes about a musical, which I'm going to read back to you, which I, okay. I pissed myself when I read this. There's lots of laugh out loud moments <laughs> in your books, right? But it talks about um, South Pacific. Uh, This is what you say. I decide to audition for my senior musical, South Pacific, and I'm up for the role of Emile de Beck, a widowed middle... (laughs) I can't even read it without laughing. (laughs) A widowed middle-aged French murderer who dates an annoying American nurse during World War II. If they put that on the poster for South Pacific, they'd sell so many more tickets. I love it. The the pithiness of that. Yeah. Literally nailed it on the head. A French murderer and an annoying nurse. Brilliant. (laughs) <laughs> and there's also another great bit where you talk about Jacqueline Smith and the whole flight of fantasy you go on and how in your fantasy you'd have to kill her uh, but I'm not going to say why but um, th- you should read the book because it's very funny and I-, I can't wait I can't wait to read what you're going to write next what are you going to write next? I have no idea right now my only plan is I think that we're going to go on vacation so Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, so you do on your Instagram, you do all these little tiny little comments and they're very funny as well. So maybe there's just a collection of them going to be published at some point, no? Nah, those are on Instagram. I'm, why would I? You got to, yeah, I wouldn't, I would feel, I think it's like, I would never make somebody pay for something. They could just scroll on their phone to see. I'm like, why put it in a book? Yeah. It's meant to be digested the way it is. Do you know what I yeah. mean? When you go on vacation, are, are you going to have an Aperol spritz? I am not. Oh. <laughs> I'm, not I'm never going to have I, one again. I hate I, them as well. I hate them as well. I, 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 I did it twice. That's it. Twice yeah. is enough. I love yes. the color. I still love the color. I love the color too. They look like, they do look like they're going to be utterly delicious. Yeah. My wife loves them. And yeah. every time she has one, I look at it and think, maybe I'll like it now. And just like you, I hated it. They're everywhere. Yeah, they're summer. everywhere. But all you yeah. see is a sea of Aperol spritzes. <laughs> I'm glad we agree. So you've worked in the highest levels in American television since the 1990s, being involved with such shows as Will and Grace, Family Guy, Vicious, The Prince, It's a Brad Brad World, 
even the naked truth. You're a New York Times best-selling author. You're an Instagram sensation. And now you've achieved the greatest accolade in your career so far by being a guest on the last show on earth. Thank you very much. I'm honored. (laughs) It was really good fun. Well done. Thanks for having me, guys. To end. To end, yes, we've got one more thing. Because because you're not going to give us a joke. Correct. We've got something else instead. Okay. What's this called? It's called The Last Show Limerick. Is that what we're calling this segment? Yeah, let's call it The Last Show Limerick. Oh, it's time for The Last Show Limerick. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> to end, we're going to do The Last Show Limerick. I'm going to read you a limerick which describes a character from a musical. And you have to guess who that character is. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Here we go. There once was the scariest of men who would pray to the stars now and then. He tried catching a crook, but let him off the hook and then threw himself into the sin. Oh, it's, um, uh, what's his name? Oh, my God, I know. It's, 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 it's uh, uh, Jean Valjean and, um, oh, Javert, I'm sorry. I can't <laughs> not know Javert. Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> this is a real low point for me having to think of Javert. Thank you very much for joining us, Gary, on the last show on Earth. Hooray! Thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. And that was the last show on Earth of the lovely Gary Giannetti. We were delighted he could fit us into his schedule and we wish we could have talked to him for a lot longer. We highly recommend you follow Gary on Instagram as his account is stuffed full of pictures and videos of him not enjoying glasses of Aperol Spritz, critiques on the quality of blueberry muffins around New York City and of course his very witty observations on life in general. His cutting wit is also very much on display in his books, of course. Do you mind if I cancel and start without me, which are available now? Did we mention them in the chat? Uh, I think we did. Uh, if you want to see more examples of Gary's work, you can go on YouTube and find numerous clips of The Prince, Will and Grace, Family Guy, and of course, Vicious, starring some of our greatest living actors, Ian McKellen and Derek Jacobi. It also stars a much younger and even more good-looking Alistair Brammer. We'll also put some links in the podcast description to the episode of Family Guy we discussed, and there will also be links to Gary's Les Mis flash mob, definitely worth a watch, and the notorious Patti LuPone mask video. Sadly, it's just been announced that Company will close on Broadway at the end of July, and I highly recommend that you go and see it if you can. I saw it in London and it is spectacular. I also highly recommend you come and see me when I perform my solo show live at the beautiful outdoor Minac Theatre in Cornwall on July the 29th. Tickets are available by following the link in the podcast description. Dear me, Alistair, what a shameless plug. I would never do such a thing and shamelessly plug my solo shows on here. I mean, I am doing a solo concert tour around the UK, but I'm not going to mention it, even though I'll be playing Glasgow on September the 1st, and then playing New Mills in the Peak District on the 3rd, Lytham St Anne's on the 4th, Rill on the 7th, Aberystwyth on the 8th, Cardiff on the 9th, and Leeds on the 11th, before finishing the tour with a show in London at Her Majesty's Theatre, the home of the Phantom of the Opera, on the 18th of September. But I would definitely never mention it. And I certainly wouldn't mention on here that tickets are available at johnowenjones.com or by clicking the link in the podcast description. Yes, you're right. You're far too classy to do that. Well, if you enjoyed our chat with Gary, then please tell your friends, hit that follow button and listen again next time. We have some fabulous guests lined up and we release a new episode every four weeks. And if we get the time, we'll drop a bonus episode here and there as well. And they're all absolutely free. So you're getting excellent value for money. Well, that's it. We'll see you next time when we talk to another very special guest all about their last show on Earth. On here.
here we ask the question nobody dare to ask. If you had a day to live, what show would be your last? What is your last show on earth? This is the last show on earth. My name is John. My name is Al. Been friends a long time past. You want to know what show you'd see if you knew it was to be your last? What is your last show on earth? This is the last show on earth. What is your last show on earth? What is your last show on earth? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.